Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweiden Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweiden Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Welcome back to New York, Rev. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm, uh, I'm excited for today's show. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, first, I want to ask you, Rev, have you downloaded Pokemon Go? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have downloaded Pokemon Go. Have you? I have. So, as you know, I work for a uh, frozen yogurt company called 16 Handles, and we have 39 locations. And I was asked to download it because we're trying to use it to improve sales, just like all restaurants should. And that's also what today's episode is about. I think that uh, should is a good word if you know what you're doing and you know how to make it work. But if you're just throwing a, a Pokeball against the wall, um, I don't think you should do it. I think that's fair. A couple things to let our listeners know before we get into the episode and before we get into our burgers this week. Pokemon Go is an app by Niantic Labs and Nintendo. Uh, it has It's the most downloaded mobile app of all time. And a couple of technical things about how this affects businesses before we get started, because our interviewees today, who have all experimented with Pokemon Go in one way or the other, uh, are going to talk about some things that I think won't make sense unless you know a couple of things about the app. Number one, if you know anything about Pokemon, it's about catching tiny monsters. The game is GPS-based, and your map in the game is your map in real life. When you catch Pokemon, it puts you in a real-life situation where there's a cartoon Pokemon and your surroundings using your telephone's camera. Beyond that, some businesses were lucky enough to be designated as Pokestops, which are beacons that attract rare Pokemon and thus attract hardcore gamers to your business. Niantic, in their wisdom, did not designate any of our stores as Pokestops, which means that we're at a disadvantage to the stores that do have Pokestops. So one, the very first piece of advice I would give to our listeners is go to Niantic's website and request that your business be a Pokestop if it's not already one, and then you can start to hopefully make the most of this trend while it's still trending. So I have not been an active player. I sort of logged on just to get a, a sense of what it was, and I was, you know, I was curious um, I don't do a lot of walking in my life, so I have only played very, very casually. But I thought I think the concept's really cool. I love the augmented reality part of it, um, and I kind of love that it's getting people to go walk around their neighborhood. But conversely, there's also been stories out about there people getting hit by cars, people bumping into people. Um, I think it's really it's it's almost captured people's attention too much. Everything that is as big as Pokemon Go is has backlash, and some of this backlash is definitely well earned. But since it's the biggest download of all time, and businesses of all kinds have been using it to increase sales. It seemed like a perfect fit for a like, bite, and share episode where we talk about how the restaurant industry is using it. And on that note, let's shift gears just a little bit. Rev, you were just at the American Roadstar Challenge, which, if you listened to last week's episode, sounds like it was dope. Yeah, I just actually got back uh, about an hour ago from North Carolina from the American Roadstar Challenge, which was uh, which Wide and Sun sponsored and was basically sort of hosted by Major League Eating. So Sam Barclay, who was on our podcast last week, the MC for Major League Eating, was there, and so was Joey Chestnut, along with five of the other or six of the other top uh, competitive eaters in the world. The actual real competitive eaters, not just uh, amateurs, although there was an amateur contest. Uh, and the amateur contest went down. Uh, it was sort of like six local people had to take down two in less than five minutes. And then, or t- yeah, they take down two. And then it was followed by the, uh, the, the major league eaters uh, for the first people to finish four. And uh, Joey Chestnut uh, came out number one, I think, in four minutes and 24 seconds. And he, he finished this thing. It, Brad, it's crazy. I, I actually ate one myself. I want to see if I can do it. It's four six-ounce Schweidenson's Butcher Blend patties, four slices of cheese, and a bun. So it's essentially 24 ounces of meat. 
I ate it in eight minutes and 15 seconds. To me, it was just like, I got to finish this. Um, but I, what I learned from speaking to Joey Chestnut is that if you go longer than 10 minutes in competitive eating, your stomach starts to push back. So when I ate mine, I was like, okay, as long as I get this done in 10 minutes, we'll do it. And you know what? I felt fine. That's great news. And the burger was really, really, really good too. That helped. I bet. Please go back and listen to last week's episode where we interviewed Joey and Sam and Rich from American Burger. Is there going to be a video? Um, I know they took video. I don't know if one will be produced, but it was pretty cool. I mean, those things are kind of, you kind of got to have a stomach to be able to watch them. But the event was really, really good. All the competitive eaters were like super nice people. I hung out with all of them for a bit. We actually, uh, Rich Adams, from the, who was on the show with us last week from American Burger Co., we actually took him and Joey out for, uh, for some beers after the event last night. And we started getting into a loaded French fry and a fries equal crack conversation. We started designing like off-menu French fries at the American Burger Co. And after like several plates of fries, Joey was like, guys, I, I'm done. I, I have to go home. <laughs> awesome. Well, Scott Hume, a few weeks ago on this podcast, predicted that this would be a big thing. So listen to that episode as well. And in the meantime, let's talk to a few folks about how they're doing Pokemon in the restaurant industry. Ryan Dorshak is the general manager slash operating partner for the Cloverleaf Tavern in Caldwell, New Jersey, where it is the oldest business in town. Ryan is the third-generation owner of the pub that dates back to 1933. Their menu boasts a little bit of everything for everyone, but they are most well-known for their extensive craft beer program and their creative and delicious burgers. The Cloverleaf regularly has different promotions, including a weekly limited-time-only burger of the week. Ryan, you're not one to shy away from unique promotions. Can you tell us about your current Pokemon promotion? Sure. Uh, well, we just uh, recently discovered this Pokemon craze um, because people were wandering around our building and inside our building, so I really didn't even know much about it until I uh, had grabbed a couple of these people and asked them what, what, what the heck they were doing. But uh, once we uh, found out about this Pokemon thing, you know, I went on and, and also found out that not only were we a poke stop, but they designated us on the game as a historical location. So um, that was pretty neat. Um, and I guess, um, you know, coming along with the fact that we were a designated pokey stop, um, you know, we could we have the ability to uh, drop lures at, in our location to attract more followers. Um, who can then come visit us and catch rare Pokemon. So um, we noticed that not only were there people coming in who are familiar with us and um, and uh, playing the game inside, but there were also people kind of wandering around outside. So we wanted to get those people that were wandering around outside in our establishment um, instead of just wandering around outside. So um, also it keeps them safe by bringing them in as well so they don't get hit by a car or anything wandering in the street. We brought them inside by offering a, uh, currently we have a $25 gift card giveaway. So anybody that, that takes a screenshot of a Pokemon on their drink or on their food or somewhere inside the restaurant, if they hashtag it Clover Pokestop, um, we, we draw a $25 gift card winner every day of the week this week. And then uh, potentially next week we'll be changing that up a little bit. So um, that's our current uh, promotion going on with the Pokemon. So anecdotally, obviously, you've got people coming in. And then it's nice of you to be so altruistic and keep folks from getting hit by cars. Have you noticed an increase in sales since you started the promotion? It's hard to quantify that. Um, we have, I mean, last week we did have... Um, an above average increase um, compared to the weeks prior to that. 
So um, I would I would have to say yes that 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 did have something to do with a little bit of the boost in in business over the past week. So you almost basically kind of got like gifted this promotion, and you had to go and 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 educate yourself on what the Pokemon Go is, correct? Yes. Yep. That's kind of awesome. You just stepped into a uh, stepped into this. Um, what kind of reception are you getting from the promotion online? Like not what's happening in the in the restaurant, but the reaction you're getting on uh, on your social media. Uh, people enjoy it. Um, you know, there's there's those people who are uh, you know who are gamers who like to do that kind of thing, and there's those who who aren't. So you know, we promoted that uh, to our general audience. I would say you know most of the people were receptive to it. Um, you know, uh, I think those who aren't, who, you know, who aren't gamers or anything, it really doesn't bother them, but it gives us an opportunity, um, to promote, um, a product as well. So if we're doing a promotion on, you know, hypothetically, uh, this weekend or, uh, Sunday is, is national tequila day. So we can, we can kind of take a picture of the Pokemon with some of the tequilas that we're promoting and put that out there. So we're not now we're not only promoting um, National Tequila Day, but we're also promoting the Pokemon as well. So, so it kind of acts as a double uh, promotion for us. Have you jumped on on other trendy things that have come up in the last few years to draw people into this restaurant? Just trying to think, uh, you know, offhand. I mean, we had a massive push uh, with the, you know, when we have sp uh, sporting events that come around. I mean, we had it with the. Uh, World Cup. That was that was a huge push for for us, um, you know. So who, who knows? Maybe we can, uh, you know, imp maybe we can make some type of Pokemon burger next. Since we do the burgers of the week, and we have such success with that. Right. You, you guys do a lot of crazy promotions at the Cloverleaf. I'm I'm a fan of you. What you guys do, and and see it on Facebook. And other than the burger of the week, which is clearly you know a big winner for you. What kind of traffic do you think limited time offers and special promotions drive into the restaurant? Is it small? Is it large? Is it 50%? I mean, do you have a, an, a, an idea of what it looks like? Uh, yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, you can have, uh, you can have a, a good product. Um, if you're not out and reaching your target audience, then, you know, you're obviously not going to drive traffic. So, you know, that's the thing is being able to, uh, you know, promote both by social media in-house, um, you know, small percentage now is still like old school through, you know, whether it's a local publication or a local newspaper, but that's kind of shrinking in today's age. But, um, you know, just getting out there and engaging customers and, you know, not only on social media, but in-house, like making sure your, your staff is well-versed and they're inviting people back for, for events and things of that nature. Um, you know, getting them planned in advance. Next week, we're going to – today is actually Belgian Independence Day. Um, we had a lot going on. We had the, the owner of Founders Brewery out here on Tuesday. So with a busy week and having a lot going on, we actually postponed our Belgian Independence uh, Day uh, Day until next week, where we're kind of celebrating for four days. So um, we're gonna we call it Belgium comes to Coop, uh, Belgium comes Belgium comes to Caldwell, and that's from the 27th through the 31st. And we're actually going to uh, not only have a lot of Belgian style beers, but we're gonna have a lot of Belgian style uh, food dishes prepared by our chef. Um, just coming up with some with creative ideas and um, and fun things. I mean, we've always celebrated Belgian 
Independence Day, um, but usually it's always been like a one or two day event. So this year we're um, kind of expanding it because of the popular uh, the popularity it's had in the past. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show and telling us about your promotions, jumping on trends, and, and especially Pokemon Go and how you're using it. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find out more about Cloverleaf? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we uh, we recently moved our uh, beer list to untapped. So untapped, we're a verified account, which means you can uh, not only uh, check in and check out your different beers um, on untapped, but you could also check out our beer list, which is updated all the time on untapped. Um, we also have uh, our, our events page is always um, updated frequently on Facebook. That's at Cloverleaf Tavern. Um, we are on Instagram as well, um, recently on Snapchat and um, on Twitter. So um, if anybody ever has any questions or, um, you know, we're always accessible and we respond uh, pretty quickly. So they can always reach out to us on any of the uh, social media spots. Ruggie Joseph is the Senior Community Director for Yelp in Manhattan. Helping businesses get the most out of the site is his passion. He also curates local events intended to spread positive word of mouth to the many local businesses that dot the Manhattan culinary landscape. Ruggie also has the dubious honor of being the very first repeat guest on the Like, Bite, and Share podcast. And we'll make sure to link up that show in the notes. Uh, he's on our very second episode. So he joins us today to tell us about Yelp's new Pokemon Go feature. Ruggie, when did Yelp decide to jump on the Pokemon Go train by adding a search filter that shows users which businesses are close to Pokestops? Well, uh, before we get there, I want to say that I feel honored to be the first repeat guest. I feel like I need to like call my mom or something real fast uh, after this is done because it's a huge honor. Uh, well, it's, it's nice to have you back, and I'm actually texting your mom right now, so we'll, we'll get to that later. This yeah. is very strange. <laughs> very odd. Hey, so this is what happened. So Pokemon Go came out, and it literally took the world by storm, as you guys, I'm sure, have noticed. Not sure if you've decided to try it yourself, but it seemed to be a worldwide phenomenon almost in one weekend's time. And given that a lot of companies that write code for websites such as Yelp are giant dorks, it seemed like it was a pretty quick turnover for uh, folks to jam some code into our, um, into our app. And be able to filter businesses by their proximity to a poke stop. And so I think we were able to turn it around in the next, or in maybe 48 to 72 hours, I believe, was about the, uh, the time frame. Did you have to work in conjunction with the game's developers, or did you just do that manually? Um, so my role in helping to sort of seed the first few poke stops was, um, you know, to my chagrin, uh, I actually had to download the app myself and walk around town you know, walking into traffic while staring down and trying to fight Charmanders and Zubats and those sorts of things and let the engineers back at headquarters know a handful of restaurants and bars and separate other businesses that had a Pokestop very close to their, uh, to their storefront. And I'll, and I'll tell you what, I've never played Pokemon. I was never a kid who had the cards when I was younger, but it's kind of fun. If you can sort of like not take yourself too seriously and just walk around town and do it. It's like not so bad. Not such a bad way to kill time. So wait, did you have to go and manually add all these things? How did that work? Well, the original, so when we wanted to launch it, we wanted to select a few different cities and, uh, you know, obviously push it out. So, uh, yeah, we kind of had a bootstrap effort just to kind of push it out to begin with. So I went around, I live in the like Soho, Nolita-ish area. So kind of walked around Mulberry, walked around Soho, knew that Balthazar was a poke stop and there's Mulberry Cigar Shop on Mulberry Street and Back 40 West, which is actually no longer 
in business, but it's a Pokestop also. And then there's also like lots of different little landmarks like local parks and that kind of thing. So just kind of took a casual stroll around the hood, uh, you know, let the uh, the folks back at HQ know. And then we actually rely mostly on our community of users to let us know where the Pokestops are because when you check into uh, one of the stops, one of the um, sort of attributes you could add to it in addition to like good for groups and, uh, you know, hipster ambiances, whether it's close to a Pokestop. So an overwhelming majority at this point uh, of our data comes from the community at large. What other cities aside from New York have Pokestops listed on Yelp? Uh, at this point, I mean, pretty much all across the country. It's live if you're in the United States, the UK, Australia, Germany, Italy, New Zealand, and Spain, I believe. So if you're in any of those markets, uh, I mean, you could be in uh, Baton Rouge, and I have a feeling that you'll be able to use use the uh, the Pokestop filter. What's been the reaction to the filter from your users? It's a good question. I know anecdotally, you know, because I'm really in touch with our users on a you know day to day and week to week basis, and our community loves it. I mean, we have a ton of people who are part of the elite squad in New York and just random you know other Yelpers as well. And I'm getting a lot of really positive feedback that people are in fact using it to walk around and kind of uh, plan their sort of days. It's kind of cool because if you think about it with these poke stops being within close proximity of local businesses and you're walking around all day trying to gather up all sorts of pokeballs and all these other fun tools to catch them all. Um, one's going to want to stop and maybe get a drink or go get some food. So it's actually working pretty well. I don't have any like hard data or metrics to share with you at this point. Um, I don't know if they've run any numbers as far as like the usage of that filter at this point, but I know that anecdotally a lot of our community members are pretty excited about it. Are you getting uh, or seeing any reactions from actual businesses? Are they coming to you and commenting or asking questions? Uh, no, I think that, I've, you know, as far as uh, our whole goal has always been to connect users with great local businesses. So, uh, you know, this is a, you know, a fun phenomenon that we'll, you know, maybe look back on one day and find it kind of funny, this Pokemon Go thing. But, you know, kind of in step with what we've always done, is, you know, helping people, you know, find the local business that they're searching for. And if it coincides with a very cool cultural phenomenon like Pokemon Go, and we want people to know, like, hey, here's a bunch of businesses that um, currently are Pokestops. I mean, that's kind of the goal. So uh, I think business owners are, are, you know, I imagine they're pretty jazzed. I read some other articles not specifically pertaining to Yelp's involvement in steering people towards Pokestops, but, you know, people using the tools within the, within the app, the Pokemon Go app, to drop lures, for instance, which, uh, you know, you can, there's certain bells and whistles within the app and you can pay like $1.99 and get a bunch of Pokemon to show up at your business. And then lo and behold, a bunch of people with the Pokemon Go app are at your door trying to catch them inside of your business. So yeah, we're just trying to steer people towards those great businesses that are kind of having fun with it. Has Yelp ever jumped on other trends the way that it was able to jump on the Pokemon Go trend? Little known fact, Yelp was the absolute first app in the app store to have augmented reality. So in some ways, we were pretty much ahead of the curve. That happened seven years ago. You can actually use augmented reality to find businesses on Yelp. And uh, something that's like, you know, started off as an Easter egg, and then it's, you know, definitely built into the app as our monocle. So in some ways, this is kind of uh, fun because we've been tinkering with augmented reality for a very long time. Well, I, I would consider myself somewhat of a power user because I've had business accounts and, and personal account. I didn't even know that. How come they don't push that more? Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely in the app. I mean, obviously, with any app, it's it's kind of hard to jam an entire website. If you look on your app, I mean, you can pull it out right now. And if you sort of go to the your home screen of sorts on the Yelp app and you pull it down, you'll see an option that says Monocle. And it's kind of underneath some other stuff. But yeah, if you fire up the Monocle, you basically just point your 
phone out into the distance and it'll show you, it'll give you a visual representation of the businesses that are, are around you and you can just like click on those businesses and it'll take you right to the business page. We definitely got a lot of press in like 2009 around it because it was a very cool feature. And at the time, again, it was kind of an Easter egg. So people who love kind of diving deep into apps and video games were finding this and it was, you know, pretty, pretty highly, re uh, you know, uh, reviewed on sites like TechCrunch and Gizmodo and those kind of things. So, yeah, it's pretty fun, but definitely uh, it's a, it, now's a better, you know, a better time than ever to get reacquainted with the Yelp uh, augmented reality monocle that we have. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. I, of course, I've already pulled it up on my phone, and I'm already looking, and I'm already trying to find some cheeseburgers. Well, <laughs> Ruggie, it was great to have you back on the show. Thanks for uh, sharing with us about what Yelp is doing with, with Pokemon and, and, and Pokestops. Where else can people, where can people find out more about you and, and maybe Yelp Pokestops? Me? Okay, so uh, you can find me on To Catch a Predator's website. I think it's on ABC's 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, so uh, yeah, I'm all over. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, all that stuff. So I'm Ruggie NYC on Snapchat and Twitter. Uh, Ruggie NYC on Instagram, just my name, Ruggie on uh, on Facebook, and of course on Yelp. Look, I'm the only Ruggie on Yelp that I know of. Like Ruggie Josen, Julie Zucker is also a veteran of the Like, Fight, and Share podcast. She is the director of marketing and promotions for branded restaurants, which consists of all big daddies and Duke's locations in New York City. Uh, in keeping with today's theme, she's joining us to talk about Pokemon Go-inspired menu items at Big Daddy's. Uh, Julie, you didn't stop at a discount for catching Pokemon in the store, but added food related to the game. Can you tell us how it all works and also uh, how this paid off for the restaurant? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I kind of miss the generation of young Pokemon players, but my assistant, um, she kind of keeps me in the loop with all these new social games that I may not be doing personally. And um, I saw her one day, we were walking out, and she pulls up her phone, and she pulls out the app. I'm like, wait, what in the world are you doing? And then, you know, just from us walking three blocks down the street, we kept seeing so many different people stopping on their phones and taking pictures. And then I think in the Post, there was an article about a pizza restaurant and how they increased their sales uh, by setting up a stop a training center for their Pokemon game at their pizzeria. Um, so the first thing we tried to do is set up a lure module outside of Big Daddy's, but it turns out unless you're in the store literally watching outside of the window, you don't really necessarily know if it's a success, and somebody could just literally walk by for two minutes and catch a Pokemon and go. So we're like, all right, well, that's not really drumming up business. Um, and one thing Big Daddy's is known for is our awesome, delicious, outrageous milkshakes. So we're like, all right, let's let's put together a Pokemon-inspired milkshake. And, you know, first we played with just doing a yellow shake and then a red shake. And we're like, well, this isn't going to really, I guess, be enough to get people to come in. So uh, we went to the supermarket, kind of looked around on the aisles to see what there were. And uh, we found the huge jumbo campfire marshmallows. And we're like, oh, you know, light went off. Let's make a Pokeball out of these marshmallows. So uh, we kind of iced half of it and then dipped it in red sprinkles and literally took black food coloring and made like a circle belt, as you would say, in the middle of it um, and made a yellow shake. And we lined the rim of the glass with icing and, and more red sprinkles and marshmallows. And uh, to top it off, we did look online and we got miniature Pokemon characters. And I think to seal the deal, we put the Pokemon character on top of the Pokeball. And uh, that's how our shake was formed. 
you, you send us a picture. It sounds amazing. It looks amazing. Uh, definitely going to have to come in and try it. But speaking of which, how have sales been for the milkshake? Um, I have to tell you, incredible. Since we launched it 10 days ago, and, you know, when we usually launch LTO shakes, maybe, you know, we sell two a day until it gets rolling. Um, if we sell maybe 100 a month, that's really great for us. As of an hour ago, we have now sold 100 of the Pokeball shakes since we launched it on Friday the 15th of July. Um, and just as a comparison, um, our number one milkshake, which is our Cookie Monster shake, uh, that has sold 230 in the same time period, and our Pokemon Shake is now up to 100, which is our second highest selling shake over the last 10 days since we launched it. Wow, that's literally 10 a day. Yeah, exactly, 10 a day. So, and now, you know, literally just to promote it, what we just started doing is we just put it on social media, um, and then from there, the buzz is getting going and it's going around, and we're expected to sell probably, you know, over 1,000 by the end of the month. It's really wild. This trend came on very quickly, and I think a lot of people, or some people at least, thought it would flame out very quickly, but it sort of seems like it's been the opposite in terms of how sales of Big Daddies have been going. Yeah, you know, I really thought, like, you know, we sold about 12 per day, and the first weekend we launched it, we launched it on a Friday, which, you know, in the restaurant industry is probably never a good idea, especially if it's something complicated. Um, but we just, you know, had to get it rolling right away. Um, and I'm like, all right, maybe sales will die down. But then on Monday, we sold even more. And, you know, Monday is traditionally the slowest days of the week. Um, I think what's happening is that one person orders it. And then just because of the nature of New York and our demographic, and someone sees it, you know, this red, yellow milkshake coming out with a miniature Pokemon character on it, uh, they're like, oh, my gosh, I have to get one. Um, and, in fact, actually the first day when I was, you know, putting the shake together and taking a picture of it. We always like to give our shakes to customers once we photograph them that they haven't been touched just so they don't go to waste. And some guy was just like staring at it and I brought it over to him and it turns out he was actually leading a tour group of where to catch Pokemons around New York City. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I'm like, awesome. Yeah, and just like randomly. I'm like, oh, would you mind posting on social media? And he's like, yeah, like this is what I do. And I'm like, whoa, that, you know, that was kind of the, good, the right person to give the milk to. I think it's just one of those things that everyone keeps seeing it and they're drawn to it. And also, normally our shakes um, are $7 and we discount them during our awesome milkshake happy hour, but we're selling this one at a $9 price, which is the first time that we've sold a shake at this price. Um, and guests are buying it and, and they're not bothered and they don't care. Wow, this, so, one is, this one has really worked for you then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because we keep saying to ourselves, we're like, hmm, do we think people are getting it because they want the shake or because they want the mini Pokemon character? So it's kind of like going back to the whole, you know, McDonald's uh, kids' prizes. And, and, and it's like, is it the novelty of the shake because of the, you know, trend going on or is it literally the novelty of the toy that people want? And how many people are ordering it just so they can put it on Instagram and get some likes? Exactly. So. That's what that, that's what I would do, by the way. Anyway, yeah, that, is, that aside. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, I, I mean, I think I know the answer to this question, but you're the right guest to ask. Um, are topical and offbeat promotions a regular form of marketing for, for what you guys do? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, part of my job is just really to be keeping up with the trends and seeing what's going on in New York and in the world. And, you know, I have, you know, the ability to come up with like really cool recipes because we have milkshakes, you know, that's the easiest thing to have a 
burger restaurant per se, come up with a wild and crazy burger might be a little bit more difficult. But to literally, you know, make a milkshake and top things and add marshmallows and add sprinkles and add icing, um, especially because of the whole milkshake trend that's going around because of Blacktop Burger. So, um, which they've done wonders for the milkshake industry, I think. Um, so it's really cool that, you know, we have a product that we're so easily able to highlight and promote based on what's going on with trends. Sure, and I know you guys do like the uh, the crazy theme trivia nights, but could you give maybe a couple other examples of, of topical or offbeat promotions you've done? Yeah, we, um, other than the trivia nights, which are hugely popular, um, we definitely have a lot of like groups come in, um, especially who are asking about theme nights as far as, because our theme of the restaurant is basically throwback to 70s, 80s, 90s. So we've had like a lot of 80s party and, you know, we've worked with 80s prom in the past and, you know, we get a whole group come in as their favorite 80s characters all dressed up, you know, a few years back um, with a very awesome friend in marketing of mine. <laughs> we uh, did a whole pancake eating contest. Um, so, yeah, just trying to think off the top of my head, too. It's, um, you know, I tried to do something, you know, the Guns N' Roses tour was this weekend. So, you know, we were trying to figure out what types of groups of people we could bring in for that. So it's really just staying on top of the trends and, you know, whether it's a trivia night or a party um, and, and we'll make special drinks, we'll make special milkshakes and even special food items. So one time uh, when we did uh, a Pulp Fiction group came in and, and we did the whole uh, their play that they had, I forget the, uh, what it was off the top of my head, but the difference of the burger in America. What was that though with the burger in France? The Royale with yeah, cheese? Yeah, the Royale with cheese. So, like, we, like, made a special menu and, like, wrote, like, the Royale with cheese, you know, and, like, we did a play on that. So we're very flexible at Big Daddy's. Uh, obviously, you guys are very much ready to jump on a trend whenever possible, but has the success of Pokemon Go changed the way you think about promotions and trends at all? Um, I, I think the lesson that this has taught me, we actually both rolled out a food item and a discount at the same time, and we we're saying anyone who, um, you know, catches a Pokemon in the restaurant will get 15% off their bill, and they had to take a picture, a screenshot of when they caught it. However, because we marketed that by, um, we literally put it on our, our window of our restaurants and we sent an email blast, um, the people who were coming in were guests who were coming in to eat at our restaurant anyway, and as they were walking in the door just for lunch or dinner, they saw the discount. They're like, oh, well, I have this app. Like, I should definitely, you know, play the game. So the whole purpose of, you know, marketing promotions like this is to bring in new customers and to bring in somebody who necessarily isn't going to be coming in that day, but you want them to come in because of the promotion you're doing. So we're like, okay, we're not actually bringing in new guests because of the 15% off because, you know, they were already coming to our restaurant. So let's bring in people who want to try something new and try a new dish. So, you know, whereas in the past, like, you know, the quote-unquote easy marketing is to just offer a discount, I'm finding that it is more successful to actually do an LTO food item, which, again, goes back to posting on social media and the excitement and the novelty. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of definitely going to, I think steer away from just giving those discounts and uh, you know putting together more creative ideas. I can tell from from experience that look, every bar and restaurant is going to try and do something on St. Patty's Day, and cutting through the mustard there is just impossible. So you might as well make up your own crazy stuff, right? Exactly. Like for instance, for us, we did a Lucky Charm milkshake, and we would just do it on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, but because the Lucky Charm milkshake, you know, I think we sold. 
I think last year when he did the tour, two years ago when he did it, we sold like 200 in one day. We're like, hey, people love this. Let's, you know, make it a month-long special. So it then became a month-long special. Um, and now, you know, I'm giving you guys some insider information, but we're now going to be launching a whole new line of cereal milkshakes um, inspired by the time that we literally did a Lucky Charm milkshake. Now it's going to be available year-round. I can't wait to try cereal milkshakes. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite dessert. Inside yep. information, it's going to be a accompanying pancake and milkshake, both cereal-themed. Sounds great. This has been uh, fantastic, getting an inside scoop on what uh, Big Daddy's is doing with Pokemon Go and, and, and the actual inside scoop that you yes. gave us at the end there. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can learn more about you and about branded restaurants? Um, you can learn more about branded restaurants. You can visit our website specifically for Big Daddies at BigDaddiesNYC.com. But uh, who really looks at websites anyway? So how about visiting us on social media? We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BigDaddiesNYC. And uh, if you're looking for me, I actually uh, run those accounts. So <laughs> any comments on those, you know, you can just give a shout out to Julie. But personally, my account is Pressworthy Eats, where uh, I used to solely talk about my home cooking, but now I have a five-month-old son, so there's a little bit of baby mixed in there, too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Julie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food marketing business. Stay hungry.